Hi, today I'm really happy to be here talking with Sherry Surya. Hello, Sherry, how are you? Hi, Kate, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic, thank you. I'm really, really happy that you could take the time to talk with me. Well, I'm glad to do it. <laughs> you're a big, um, you're, well, you're a, a leading light in the movement, if we can say that, a leading light and a living light. <laughs> Um, and definitely a big influence to a lot of people. So um, do you want to just, uh, you must have been so much ahead of your time. Did, do you want to just tell us a bit about how much you, how you got started? Well, I, I actually um, have been teaching vegetarian cooking for about 45 years Amazing. because I started at a very young age. Um, I started because of my own personal health and because the signs around me indicated that I was going to go in the same direction as the rest of my family if I didn't make a big change. Um, most people in my family died at a young age of cancer, heart disease, diabetes. They were obese. My own mother died when I was um, only four. And I didn't know my grandmother. My grandfather died when he was 50. You know, it was, it was pretty scary for me as I was growing up and seeing the death and destruction. Yeah. And so I started studying about health. And uh, I made a connection between meat eating and health and stopped eating meat in my early 20s. And because I love to cook, I started teaching other people how to make the delicious meatless meals that I was making. Pretty soon I was teaching uh, through different kinds of organizations, the vegetarian organizations, and um, it became bigger and bigger, and I kept reading and learning more about uh, plant-based nutrition and went from teaching everything fried and vegetarian to uh, using you know less fried mm -hmm. foods and less animal products of any kind, including, of course, eggs and, and cheese and so forth. And then um, I went to study with Dr. Ann Wigmore because I heard that she was doing some miraculous things using raw food. And I was very curious about that because I had read uh, Survival End of the 21st Century mm -hmm. uh, by Victoria Skolvinskis. And at the time I read it, it seemed just crazy. <laughs> but by the time I heard about Dr. Ann Wigmore and what she was doing, I had already moved into teaching vegan culinary arts wow. and so it made more sense to me to eat more raw food. So I went to study there uh, with Dr. Ann and actually that was in Puerto Rico um, in 1991 wow. and I saw some really miraculous recoveries there which led me to believe that I would I had to really stop teaching cooking altogether and just teach people how to make raw food. Wow. And at that time, raw food was just blended. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were juices and blends and salads. But really, there was nothing like what we do today yeah. with a, a gourmet kind of approach to raw food. And the people who were at the clinic there, um, many of them were return patients because they had come and they had been healed of their afflictions, but then they went home. And they couldn't stay on blended right, foods and right. juices and salads. So I made it my mission while I was there to create foods that would be tastier, uh, that people could make at home and what they would enjoy eating. It was really clear to me that people would not eat foods that didn't taste good. Yeah. 
and that you could really only get people to eat such a simple diet as, as we had at the clinic if they were literally dying right. and their life depended on right. it. And even then, some people won't change their <laughs> habits. They would rather die, yeah. you know, than give up the foods they love. Yeah. So I, I told Dr. Anna, and while I was there, I was already creating some you know, more gourmet foods, and she was tasting them, and she said, you will be a beacon of light for my teachings. Aww. So I told her, oh, I'm not going to teach any more cooking classes again. I made that vow to her, and I went home, and for about three or four months, I just created new techniques that would allow me to make things like lasagna and pizza and burgers and the kind of food that I knew people didn't want to live without. Yeah, so can I ask, what what equipment did you have then? Did you have things like Vitamix and dehydrators and spiralizers? And I did. I didn't have a spiralizer at that time. I didn't. I didn't really discover the spiralizer for a couple more years. But I did have other kinds of devices. I already was using food processors, and I had Vitamix for years before that, and um, I had a juicer. And, you know, I had, I didn't have a dehydrator for the first couple of years, but no, I did have a dehydrator, but I really, I hadn't explored things like flax crackers and that sort of thing. I was just doing, um, fruit leathers and dehydrating, just, you know, using it for warming foods and using it for, for marinating foods. But I hadn't really, I guess I did develop cookies though when I was at Ann Wigmore's. Yeah, I learned more about how to use a dehydrator when I was at Ann Wigmore's because we were dehydrating leftover right. um, smoothies and that sort of thing. And so I did play with making cookies and, and pie crusts while I was there. But it, it, it was before bread and some of the other more complex things um, that I make now. Could, uh, could you? But yeah, I, I, I really had to figure out how to make glazes and how to how to create um, gelatins and, uh, you know, how to bind foods. And uh, there was a completely different, there had to be a completely different approach and different ways of using raw food to mimic cooked food. So choosing different foods that could lend themselves to to tasting like, looking like, and feeling, you know, texturally like, other foods that people are not used to eating. And did you did you know anyone else was, that was thinking like this at that time? Because I, I don't know of any books until the Nomi Shannon book came out in 2000. Yeah. Did, you, did you feel like right. you were working on your own at this point? Well, my, my first book came out in 96. Okay. And, and I believe it was the first one. It was before Nomi's or Rose Lee's or Giuliano's or any of the other early books. Um, and... I actually, when I when I wrote that book, I'd already been teaching for quite a few years, teaching raw food for quite a few years at that point, and I guess for four years at least. And um, but still, it was so new that I couldn't find a publisher for it. Yeah. And I couldn't use at that point, publishers didn't even want you to use the word vegan right. because nobody would buy the book if it said vegan. So. <laughs> When I, when I published Angel Foods, I had to self-publish it because no publisher wanted wow. wanted a, a raw food book. Wow. And now, of course, we have at least 50 of our yeah. graduates have published books. Yeah. <laughs> hundreds of them have, have 
ebooks. You know? Well, I'm trying to get a book published at the moment, and the problem is they keep telling me there's too many raw food books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of raw food books, but then look at how many cooked food books there are. Yeah. You know, people buy recipe books and they don't necessarily use them. They buy them because it's inspiring, uh-huh. but then they kind of, you know, they, it's for a lot of raw food books, especially, and especially for people who don't have any training in how to prepare raw foods, they, they get intimidated and they don't know what the, what some of these ingredients are, where to find them, um, really the proper way to use a food processor, all the different ways of using a dehydrator, um, you know, just reading it in a recipe book doesn't really make them into a a good, uh, a good chef. And, and that's the reason that I started the school, actually. Um, I was teaching classes. I was teaching through international vegetarian organizations. And um, Victoris Kovinskis, whom I had met at, uh, when I was catering an event in a scene uh, gathering in Oregon, um, told me that I should create a school for chefs. Yeah. Because he said, and this was in, I think, 1990, maybe 1995 or 1996. Mm. He said, nobody is doing what you're doing and you really should teach chefs because chefs all over the world should know how to make this food. And it's the only way that we can really make a change is to teach chefs because you can't just go out and just teach, you know, 20 individuals here and 40 here and expect to, to really change the world. You have to teach teachers and you have to teach chefs. Yeah. And um, and so that's what really inspired me to start the school. Amazing. What was Victorious like as a person? Victorious is a he is a wonderful man. He's very quirky. And uh, in those days, he um, well always he's just been uh, tr- tremendously inspiring to me. Yeah. But uh, and brilliant absolutely brilliant you know I've heard him speak dozens and dozens of times and sometimes I've heard him tell the same story over and over again but it's always new and fresh and funny and inspiring and educational he's just a fantastic man and he's he's a good friend of mine and what about Anne how is she as a person Dr. Anne Wigmore was very um she was very passionate about what she was doing and even in her 80s when I was with her uh, and which was only a couple of years before she died actually she died in a fire um, she she was traveling all over the world and lecturing and she still had her school in Boston as well as the one in Puerto Rico and she was an amazing woman she had so much energy I, I'm an early riser anyway, and in those days, I was just getting into a 100% raw food diet, and I couldn't sleep past about 4, 4.30 uh-huh. in the morning, and I'd get up in the morning, and I'd start to walk down to the beach in the dark, and she was already coming back. <laughs> <laughs> she, I, I, ne- I never knew her to sleep more than a few hours at wow, a time. Amazing. Um, she would kind of nap. Really, she'd take a couple of hours nap, and yeah. then she'd be up, and she'd be just working and if we if we got together uh, as a group all of the attendees and we would sit on the floor and chat she'd sit on the floor cross-legged and chat with us and jump up you know no problems with physically with uh, you know and no inability to jump up from sitting on the floor like you would expect an elderly person um, 
and uh, would dance with us and everything. But at the same time, she was very serious. Uh, and, and as I say, very passionate about what she was doing and about helping people. Do you think she realized the impact? Do you think she knew that she was starting a, a worldwide movement? I think she did. I think she did. I, I think that she was very serious about her mission. And that's why even uh, in her 80s, she was still traveling. She was speaking to nursing organizations, to any, I mean, really anybody who would listen. Um, and, uh, no, I, I think she knew that, that she could. She had the ability to have a huge impact on the yeah. world. She really was the, the grandmother of it, wasn't she? Like you said, the first books I had was Victoria Skovinskas, and I had her recipes for longer life. And so to me, they are the the grandfather and grandmother of all of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I mean, that's the way I think of them too. Absolutely, yeah. they yeah. were. And they inspired They inspired several generations, really. Yeah. Um, all of us can, can, thank, um, can thank her yeah. for the work that she did. So tell us, and how did you go about setting the school? You already had a lot of teaching experience, but it's another thing to teach, another thing to run a school. How did that all happen? Um, I, well, once Victoris convinced me that I should start a school, <clears throat> really there was only a couple of weeks. I was actually in, um, think about this now, I was in Oregon, and he, um, when he, told me this because we were at a scene gathering and I was catering the event and he asked me if I would um, if I would cater an event for him in Arkansas it was a woman's retreat that was put on by his wife um, Yukta and I did that and at that point really was the time that he he became very serious with me about starting a school and within a couple of weeks of that I had named it Living Light, yeah. um, because of the fact that Dr. Ann had said I would be a beacon of light. Yeah. And so the name Living Light really was born from that, and yet at the same time, I, you know, it, it has layer, had layers of meaning to me because it's, it, it's, living, it's light yeah. illuminating the world. Uh, when you eat living food, you're eating light. I mean, yeah. light is transmuted into chlorophyll. And you're living lightly on the land, and you're filled with light. So, you know, it was the, 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 the name really just kind of came in inspiration, first as a result of Dr. Ann's really what turned out to be a prophecy uh, to be a, a, a beacon of light, and then also for all the layers of meaning that the, that the name um, was for me. Yeah. And when I first came to my, my sister and told her that I was going to do this, she kind of laughed and I told her it was the name of the school was going to be Living Like Culinary Institute. And she said, how can you call yourself an institute? You're just one person. And I said, well, I'll grow into it. <laughs> and it really had, it really, we have grown into it. You know, we are an institute. <laughs> and in fact, we're the only um, licensed culinary school. We're actually a licensed culinary school. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, people who come to our school are certified by the state of California, which wow. is very, has very strict regulations about uh, education. So we're a post-private, post-secondary education wow. school. Wow. And, um, and people come to our school from over 65 countries. Yeah, that's amazing. Which is amazing. Um, my first class was at Harbin, excuse me, my 
my first class was at, yes, it was at Harbin Hot Springs. And um, I went there because I felt that I needed to be at a, in a retreat center where people would go on vacation and perhaps they would, you know, want to learn something while they were there. And they had a really great retreat center with a beautiful kitchen and everything. And my first class, I had 45 people. Which wow, that's amazing. It was amazing. Um, but that just shows, you know, people were really hungry for yeah. help. Yeah, and, this is in the um, mid-90s, early 90s, uh, late 90s. That was, yes, that's right, the late 90s, 97, uh, I think it was. Uh, um, and I had been, after all, I had been already teaching for over, well over 20 years, vegetarian culinary arts. So, you know, I did have a following of people who had kind of grown up with me uh, already and from all over the country. So, you know, they were curious to see what I was up to next. I had already been teaching raw foods at some of the uh, those venues, and so people, it had already kind of proven itself. When I first started teaching raw food, instead of just culinary, just uh, vegetarian and vegan cooking at some of these uh, conventions, uh, vegetarian conventions, at first I didn't really know what to make of it. <laughs> but people liked it, and especially in the summertime that my room wasn't hot from cooking <laughs> you know we didn't have to have any stoves and people really loved the food and so it took off right away and my classes were just filled to capacity and they just became popular instantly so the first courses you did how long were they the the first course was only a weekend yeah and then they they then I started doing week long classes and then it expanded to two week long classes and um, now we have classes that are as long as three months, wow, but it really depends. You know, people can come, still come for just a weekend and they can still come for just a week because the way we have our program set up is what we call a la carte. If you string the classes together, it, you will come out of it with a certification that's like, that is really sanctioned by the state of California, yeah. um, as a chef, but you can come for just short periods as long as you complete each segment. Right. And you have to take them in order because each one is a prerequisite Brilliant. to the next. Brilliant. So it's it's set up that way because not everybody can take three weeks out of their life. Yeah. Uh, or six weeks or, you know, sometimes they can't even take 11 days. So, um, so we have it set up that way. And that really does help people. Sometimes people come back for five or six times and, they they kind of enjoy knowing that they can take time short periods of time off and rejoin the living light family and you know get kind of energized again and learn new things and go back and share them with others and so it works out well so have you got any idea how many people have been through your school so far oh my gosh <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's been 18 years and uh, in the beginning you know, computers weren't, I didn't have the same kind of data processing that I have now. Yeah. So for several years, I, I couldn't really tell you, but certainly it's in the thousands. And oh, as I say, 65 countries. And in those six, among those 65 countries, all of those countries have instructors. And so what's important to us is kind of the ripple effect where you throw a stone in a pond and all the ripples yeah, go out. Yeah. All of, you know, all of these people who are out there teaching are really spreading uh, this information to a hungry world. And, you know, people all over the world are 
sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And in our country here, people have been making bad food choices for a few generations, but in some countries, they've only had one generation of going from really good farm-based um, culture yeah. where they, they ate together as a family and, you know, mother stayed home and prepared good meals yeah. and, uh, and they ate, you know, off of the land. And then all of a sudden, all of that changed and there's chicken, fried chicken everywhere and fast food everywhere in one generation people are, are getting sick. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we travel around the world, you know, we, we, when we did our, uh, our last round the world tour for uh, raw food for dummies, which was our latest book, raw food yeah. for dummies. Um, we had huge crowds everywhere we went because people were all already knew about raw foods and they they knew already that it was going to make a big impact in their life if they could just learn how to make delicious foods that their families would enjoy. Yeah. So it's not it, it you know it's where it started out. People thought, oh, it's just you know one of those California fads. <laughs> um, it spread pretty quickly because from the very first classes that I taught, I had a a, a definite mission to teach teachers. Thanks to Victorus. Yeah. Um, that, that I had to teach teachers and I had to teach chefs because my mission wasn't just to teach people how to make great tasting food, but to teach people to teach others yeah. and to share it with others. And that, that's why it spread so quickly. I mean, I've been a, a pioneer in the vegetarian and vegan movement for a long time, and we didn't see huge influx of, you know, big change really fast like we have with raw food. Right, interesting. And I think one of the reasons for that too, Kate, is that with raw food, we're not telling people that they what they can't do as much as we're telling them what they can do. Right, right. I think raw food is less threatening than vegan food. With right. vegan food, we're saying you can't eat any animal products. But with raw food, we're saying eat more raw food. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> eat more healthy, delicious, raw food, and you'll feel better. Yeah. And we're not saying, hey, you can't eat this or you can't eat that. And the more raw food they eat, the more raw plant-based food they eat, then the less they're going to be interested in eating the other food. But that just happens naturally. It doesn't, isn't something that we're forcing them to yeah. do. So I think that, that this movement, at least, at least the way we see it and the way we promote it, is not a threatening movement. It's an inclusive right. way to eat. And it includes everyone. Right, brilliant. <coughs> so, do you develop all the courses yourself? Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm very hands-on. <laughs> I really enjoy creating curriculum. I wake up in the middle of the night with new ideas and new recipes. Um, of course, nothing is a one-man show. I mean, we have a pretty, pretty well-organized um, company and a lot of employees. And my husband, Dan Latterman. Um, helped me take this, this, I mean, when I first started Living Light, we weren't together uh, for the first uh, maybe five years or more. And then when we got together, um, then he really helped me get it organized because he is a computer genius and he's an engineer. <laughs> and, um, and so together we were able to really take it all to new heights. And he helped me build the school here. Um, which we designed because there got to be a point after about seven years of having of teaching classes at retreat centers um, and 
basically we taught through Harbin Hot Springs in, in California and Brighton Bush Hot Springs in Oregon. And we did a little traveling for shorter classes. And, of course, we did performances at, um, at different uh, health events. Yeah. But for our longer courses, we really needed to have a permanent school because packing everything up in – to trailers and yeah. vans and yeah. taking it to a retreat center. And uh, it would take 17 people. We had a lot of volunteers, wow. 17 people, three days to set up our wow. school in the retreat center so we could be there for a month. Wow. And then those 17 people would tear it all down again, and I'd have to bring it home, wow. get all the equipment fixed, and, you know, because students break equipment, <laughs> get all the equipment repaired and, you know, everything get everything all packed up and again and then a couple weeks later we do it all again and uh, it was a lot of work um, we had different different uh, volunteers coming in to help all the time and there was a lot of of organization involved and um, nobody was making any we weren't making any money that's for sure and we weren't paying anybody we didn't have any full-time employees everybody was just wanting to be a part of, you know, of, of the magic. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but at one point we figured if we were really going to be serious about this and we want people to take it seriously, we needed a serious culinary school. And so that's when we decided to build our, our, um, complex. We, we built, uh, the school, which is beautiful state of the art school. Um, we, we, we started our cafe and our marketplace and then we bought a, a, an 11 bedroom, um, bed and breakfast, uh, that's within walking distance of the school because we needed a place where students could have a safe raw food environment. Um, we, there's, we're in a beautiful location here on the North coast of California. It's gorgeous. We're on the coast. Uh, we have the redwoods and the mountains on one side, and then we have the beautiful ocean on the other side. And within, we're within walking distance of the ocean. Wow. Really lovely. Um, and so there's plenty of places where people can stay in hotels and bed and breakfasts. But students always said that they they wish that they could all stay together, yeah. you know, in a big raw food house. And so we bought the inn um, and we made it into an eco-friendly inn. We put in all organic beds and linens and just, you know, created the full yeah. house water filtration and the, um, composting systems and all that kind of stuff. Beautiful historic mansion and it's all it's in a beautiful neighborhood and within walking distance of the school and so yeah. that's where the majority of the students choose to stay because yeah. how many times do you have that opportunity yeah. to live in a in a, a community like that where yeah. you are you know you're living with like-minded people and you're all there for the same purpose and uh, and, there, and you there are rooms that people can share if they want to share they actually can pay less money to stay at the inn than if they were camping because camping is quite expensive on a coast. <laughs> so, uh, so we, you know, so we created that, and that really also helped students to um, have a sense of of purpose, yeah, so really, I- while they're here, and also to feel that they're not alone because a lot of people come from areas of the world where yeah. they feel like they're the only one who who is embracing this crazy different way of life and I mean everybody makes them feel like they're crazy yeah. why do you want to do that yeah. you know yeah. uh, and then they come here and they meet other people from other other walks of life and all ages all demographics 
and they realize this is not quirky, this is not fringe, this is real, and there's a real, you know, they can meet people who have had profound, life-changing um, transformation, health transformation, yeah. Yeah. that really enables them to see that they're on the right track. Yeah. And that's powerful. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things people get from my courses is that sense of validation by being around like-minded individuals, that sense of relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how much of the year are you open? Yeah, and you so, you know, a lot, of people come to, a lot of people come to the school because they want to, um, to explore the possibility of making this lifestyle not just a lifestyle but also a career yeah and other people come because they know that it it will save their life or the life of someone that they they know um, that they love and some people come because they have food addictions and they want to get over those those addictions and get healthier and and um, reach their 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 desired weight um, it's amazing to me how many young people are experiencing health challenges yeah. these days. Yeah. I mean, and that's because, of course, their generate their mothers their, and fathers weren't eating, yeah. in, you know, in, in the healthiest manner, and so their their health didn't start out strong and just became weaker and weaker. And a lot of these young people are depressed. Yeah. They have no energy. Yeah. They uh, you know they're not they're unhappy and when one way or another they find raw food they realize that they could have a, a real happy life after all yeah uh, and so so some of the people who come to school are very young and then there's any all ages in between all the way to in our last class we had a man who was in his 80s Brilliant. and <laughs> He didn't have any aspirations of, you know, of making this a career, but he wanted to live longer and he yeah. wanted to be healthy again. He, he felt like, you know, I'm not ready to go and I certainly don't think I have to feel the way I feel. I yeah. think I could feel better. <laughs> and so he came for, um, for four weeks and he, I mean, it was unbelievable the change that happened to him in four weeks. I so, reckon, um, I yeah, reckon. all ages of people can can benefit from this. I feel like right now at my age, I'm going to be 70 next year. Amazing. I'm 69 now, and I feel like I'm actually healthier now than I was when I was 30. <laughs> Even though I was vegetarian already when I was 30. Actually, I was a vegan already when I was in my later 30s. Um, but I started running uh, five years, four, four and a half years ago, yeah. when I turned 65, I started running. I was not a runner before then. I, I thought I couldn't run because if I tried to run, my knees would hurt, my ankles would hurt. And I hadn't tried to run for years, but some of our, of our employees were entering a local contest and they said, you know, a running race. And um, they said, why don't you run with us? So Dan and I said, sure, we will. And they were going to enter a 10K race. I didn't even know what 10K was. <laughs> it's six miles, which, of course, you, you know what kilometers are. Yeah, we yeah. don't here <clears throat> because we go by miles. But anyway, um, we ran a few times. We didn't run 10K, but we, we couldn't run that far. But, you know, we ran a few blocks. And our goal for the race was to just run the whole thing, no matter how long it took, and not walk. 
And, and we did that, and we were pretty proud of ourselves, even though it was painful. The second half was pretty painful. We yeah. both felt it. And we really, literally could not walk for a couple of weeks. We, wow. We, and then we realized that we didn't want to get older and not be able to even run without pain. So we decided we were going to continue to run, and we just, but we, we started running slowly and built up and ran more and more miles and started um, entering local running uh, races and just kept getting better and faster and with within a very short period of time we were winning all of our races <laughs> and we started running longer races we ran a half marathon and then last year um, in April there was an ultra marathon locally um, which was all in the hills and on the trails nearby um, we have a lot of hills and mountains around us yeah. so we decided we were going to enter that just for fun which we did and we finished it it took us eight and a half hours wow 31 miles, 50K. Wow. And uh, we had, it was so much fun and we were so proud of ourselves <laughs> that we continued to do long distance endurance races. Wow. And we have a marathon coming up in a month and then another ultra marathon, another wow. 50K. Amazing. Uh, coming up after that uh, in December 3rd. So um, I never would have thought in a million years <laughs> that I would be running marathons at age 69. <laughs> Or that I would be winning in all of these races that I'm... But, you know, the reality is that people, when they get to be my age, they don't think they can do this. Yeah. And it's only because of my lifestyle, which is the foundation of, you know, mostly raw food. I don't eat 100% raw food 100% of the time by any means. We do eat other well-chosen cooked foods. Yeah. Um, but not because we feel we need them, only because it offers us some variety so that we can you know, go out to dinner occasionally, yeah. eat out. Sometimes we want something warm. We don't eat that way because we think it's it's important for us nutritionally or for our health. We eat raw food for that. Right. Um, but we do, you know, we are more flexible than some raw fooders uh, in the fact that we'll eat some steamed quinoa, yeah. some steamed sweet potatoes. I like legumes. I like... Um, lentils for example yeah. and chickpeas and so we include some of those things in our diet um, but the the foundation of the way we eat is is always going to be raw yeah I wanted and to ask you about your diet what are the things that are important to you that you you try and include regularly like do you have green juice and what, what oh, yeah. green yeah. juice is definitely green juice um, we like to have green juice every day we have a big green smoothie every day we do eat fruit we eat fresh fruit of all colors in our smoothie and yeah. we use green powders and and uh, spirulina and chia powder and uh, we put a lot of, of goodies in our smoothie that's kind of our uh, that and green juices which we also have every morning um, that's kind of our our green insurance we call that yeah. and then we always have a big full meal salad every day yeah um, and it varies depending on what's in season and we try to use different greens all the time we have a beautiful garden and so we vary our greens I think it's important to not get stuck with eating you think well kale is a superfood so I'll, that'll be the greens that I eat but no you need to you know have a variety of different um, nutritional profiles and come you know in different foods so 
we, we like to include all the different colors of the rainbow, which are important for all the phytonutrients and antioxidants. And, um, and those are three things that we always have, our smoothie, our green juice, and a big, big, big salad. Brilliant. Um, we, we do eat some nuts. I'm not nut phobic. I think nuts are good for you. Uh-huh. And so a handful of nuts and a, I like avocados. I, I love whole food fats, I think are really important for fat-soluble vitamins and, uh, and omega-3 fatty acids. And so we, we eat some, you know, pretty good quality uh, quantity of nuts. And I like to ferment nuts and make beautiful uh-huh. cheeses out of them because I was a cheeseaholic. <laughs> Maybe I still am because I like nut cheeses now. Um, so that was one of the things that I feel that was uh, very important in what I created in the early days was yeah. fermented cultured cheeses right. um, because that really opened a whole culinary world to yeah. me that I could really explore yeah. with um, cheese once I had cheeses. So I, I, we always include fermented foods in our daily um, diet, so sauerkraut and kimchi and cheeses, and I, I like to do um, lactose lacto uh, fermentation for pickles, different kinds of pickles and things like that. Um, and there are a couple of supplements that we take. We take vitamin B12 uh-huh. and vitamin D. Yeah. D is Dan. Uh, we take vitamin D because we don't get enough sunshine. Um, you'd have to really spend a lot of time on the north coast of California and also in, in England and, and, and in the UK, I'm sure, to get enough vitamin yeah. D. So I think it's important to take that as a supplement, um, and um, good, 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 good water. A really good source of water is important. Um, plenty of sleep and lots of love and lots of positive <laughs> thoughts. And and I also think it is important to do things for others. You can't be too self-centered in life. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really bring you the same kind of happiness and yeah. joy that that sharing your some of yourself with others can can give you. And I, I don't mean just, you know, make a lot of money and give money because there's no <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears really in that. You need to really give something of yourself uh, to, to others, to help others. And it could be animals, you know, if you don't get along well with people. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's important too. And having a mission of some kind is, yes. you know... Yes. So raw food is an important foundation, but I think there are a lot of keys to to health and happiness yes. um, besides food. Do you have any daily practices you can share? Do you try and get yoga in or meditation or anything like that? You know, I, I Dan and I go through periods where we do meditation, but honestly getting out in nature and running around here when yeah. we run um, – we get into a zone, we call it the zone, yeah. and you're out there in complete solitude and nature on these trails, and you just, sometimes I feel so filled with God that I'm, I'm literally crying. Uh-huh. Uh, I just feel such a deep connection to yeah. nature and yeah. to that um, higher force that, uh, that I, I, I almost can get that when I'm meditating. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it kind of takes me to the, to that, that same kind of source, yeah. um, divine source energy. Um, and yes, you know, running of course is, 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 uh, um, 
our main form of exercise, but we also do core power, um, which we don't do yoga, but we do some yoga-like exercises. Um, and so that's our, our main form. We walk and we hike, and but mostly okay. running nowadays is the Amazing. thing that we do. Amazing. It takes us to a great place. Amazing. When you were mentioning all the foods, you didn't mention desserts at all. Which are your favorite way to do desserts? Which are the favorite sweeteners that you use? Because sweeteners can be a controversial topic. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't have a sweet tooth. Uh, I'm really grateful for that. Never, when I was a child, I would go to a birthday party. I always scraped off the frosting on the cake. I'd oh. never like oh. greasy sweet stuff. So... Um, that's never been a problem for me, and I don't. But I don't have a fear of sweets either. I I eat fruit. Um, after we come back from a run, I really crave something wet and sweet, yeah. so watermelon or grapes. They're they're very high in sugar, and yet it just feels like it's exactly what I need. Yeah. Um, and so cult, I, I eat as I said all the colors of the rainbow, uh, and fruit is a part of that for me. Also vegetables, but uh, and and I eat non-sweet fruit as well as sweet fruit. Oh. So tomatoes and uh, you say tomato um, <laughs> and all the other kind of savory fruits. So I would say really that my diet is more fruit, savory as well as sweet, and leafy greens than anything. A broccoli would be a part of my leafy green diet, even though it's really a flower. Um, and I'm big on flowers. I like having flower power. So I even will let some of my um, uh, my greens and different vegetables uh, become flowers and include those in my in my diet as well. And we plant flowers that we can eat and we yeah. put those in our, our food as well. Um, so how, how are you with raw chocolate? Do you like cacao or does it not agree with you? I'm I'm not a big cacao fan. I'm, you know, once in a while I will have some, but I I don't consider it a supplement. Uh -huh. um, I don't I don't put it in my smoothies or anything like that. I honestly it, it it's a little too stimulating for me. Uh -huh. um, I feel a little bit I get kind of shaky when I eat um, uh -huh. foods that are too stimulating. Uh -huh. So if I have cacao, it has to be early in the day. Um, by 2 p.m., if I have something stimulating, I won't sleep well. Right. And w one of my, I think, secrets to longevity and uh, um, looking and, and staying young is I, I go to bed early and I get up early. Right. And if I eat late, I can't go to bed early. Right. So, I mean, I can't. Yeah. I don't sleep well. Yeah. So I'm, I eat really early. Uh -huh. I usually will eat by 5.30 in the evening. Yeah. And then I'm in bed by 10 or 11, and I'm up, you know, no later than 5. Right. And that's kind of my, I, I believe for me, I, and this is just the way I live, but I need to be on kind of a schedule. I don't do well staying up until 1 a.m. and then yeah. having to get up at 8 yeah. the next day. Um, or eating, uh, going out to dinner at 8 at night. I just can't do that. Yeah. And, um... I mean, I know that some it works for most people, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I think that's my understanding with sleep is that that's actually as much as the the quantity of sleep you get, it's being able to stay in your rhythm and stay in your pattern. And everyone has a slightly different rhythm, 
but that's really key to getting rested is that you can maintain that rhythm consistently rather than you know being all over the place with it yeah i think it's important and i think as you're right as, and you're right people need to find their own rhythm i think one of the problems that people often have is is they're looking to other people for the answers yeah. and really need to look within themselves so what is best for them yeah. and so one of one of my books raw food revolution diet um, we we talk a lot about how to find your own place and uh, and, and I think that it's really important to journal, to keep a journal, to keep a record of how you feel when you eat certain foods, to write down what the time was, how you felt after you ate it, how you felt the next morning after you got out of bed, and to really start to pay attention and let your body tell you, because your body will speak to you. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, we have a, a, a divine intelligence within us that knows what's best for us. But we have to listen, yeah. and we have to cooperate, and we have to form an agreement with our bodies. Like, I will listen. You tell me, <laughs> and I will listen, and I will pay attention, and I will make my choices based on what you, on the cues you're giving me, <laughs> and not just ignore it. Yeah, amazing. So how many books have you written? I've written four. Okay. Well, I've, I've written one completely by myself. <laughs> if you want to say that it was by myself, of course, there's always divine inter, you know, inspiration. <laughs> but um, I co-wrote uh, Raw Food Revolution Diet with uh, Visanto Molina and Brenda Davis, who are prolific writers. They've written more than a dozen books between them. And they actually uh, have designed our raw vegan nutrition courses here at Living Light. They're on our faculty now. Wow. At the time I asked them to write this book with me, I asked them because they also are the really top in their field in the vegan world. Uh, they wrote Becoming Vegetarian and Becoming Vegan. And then after they wrote uh, Raw Food Revolution Diet with me, they wrote Becoming Raw. And uh, they, because they became raw while they were writing the book with me and doing the research for me. So, uh, so uh, th that, and then I also write, wrote a book for the Latin American market called Comiendo Pura Vida, which means eating pure life. Uh, I wrote that because I, Dan and I have a home in Costa Rica, and we're right near where Victoria's yeah. lives as well. Yeah, and we do a lot of things down there, and there's a, a huge interest in raw foods in Latin America. Uh, we have get a lot of students who come from Spanish-speaking countries, so it's a it's written rather than being an English-written book translated into um, Latin languages. It's actually written in Spanish for the Latin community and with different using different foods because they have different yeah. culture down there yeah. and different foods grow. Yeah. So, and then the, our most recent book was Raw Food for Dummies. Yeah. And that's part of the of the dummy series by Wiley Publishing, um, the yellow books you see them in all yeah. the airports. And they actually tried to get us to write that book for two years, <laughs> and I kept saying I wasn't interested in writing it because I don't like the I don't like the word dummies, and I've never <laughs> written read one of the dummies books. I really didn't know anything about it. So they started sending us books, uh, dummies books, so that we could start to understand what it was all about and they finally won us over and so we wrote raw food for dummies and, and yeah it must have sold phenomenally has it because it's in all the countries isn't it yes yes the dummies are um published all over um they're distributed all over the world yeah 
Amazing. Amazing. Um, so do you have the school open? How much of the year do you have the school open for? Yes, we have, um, usually we have nine full uh, associate chef training courses available uh, throughout the year. Wow. And we have a group of students right now. Um, the way the school is set up, as I said, we have um, we have it set up a la carte so people can come in for a, a one-day observation course called Fundamentals of Raw Living Food. And in that course, they watch... Uh, 18 demonstrations of everything from wow. growing wheatgrass and making smoothies and juices and all of that all the way through to how to make up their own dressings and how to create desserts and appetizers and pâtés and just about everything. Then the next day, if they stay for the, the next day, it would be a, a knife skills class. So all day long, they work with knives and they just learn how to cut all different kinds of fruits and vegetables and make them beautiful and palatable and they really get comfortable with the use of knives then they go into the next level of training which includes all different kinds of equipment and techniques and flavors and they start to explore different uh, ethnic traditions so they're making foods from Asia and Mexico and Europe and you know all the favorite kinds of foods and that takes them in and then they they stay for a two-day um, raw vegan nutrition course which actually we have a whole program on that so people can come back for another two weeks uh, of, of uh, nutrition uh, with Bisanto and Brenda um, and then for the chef training is they're going to be there for a, an additional two weeks and then there's another week-long pastry class which is really decadent wonderful uh, gourmet desserts like tiramisu and different kinds of cheesecakes and cakes of light, very light cakes, not these big, heavy, dense yeah. cakes, but really light, wonderful cakes and frostings that you could have for weddings and just beautiful desserts. Um, and then they go into um, uh, courses that are recipe development courses, um, exploring different flavors of the world and also um, spa cuisine and then they go into a catering class where they learn how to cater big events, uh, either for them, their own families' um, events or for uh, people who really want to become yeah. caterers. Um, we also have full professional programs where people come in and they intern with us for an entire year. Wow. So people can go as far as they want with it. Wow. Um, so, yeah, there's something for everyone. Yeah. Typically, how many people do you have on a class? Uh, and the number of people that we that attend the classes really depends on what the class is and how much personal instruction that class requires. Uh -huh. So, for example, in the first day, which is the fundamentals observation class, we can have as many as, you know, I don't know, 24 to 36 students watching yeah. that course. Yeah. But when they start to have hands-on classes, yeah. then they need the classes need to be smaller. So typically they're anywhere from 12 to 24. Right. Um, and then when we get down, when we get into the gourmet trainings, which require recipe development, then we can't have any more than 18. Right. And that's just so that uh, the students have more personal attention because yeah. they're making up their own recipes. Yeah. They have to have instructors right there with them. Yeah. We have an amazing group of instructors that are 
really talented and really passionate and care so much about the students and their their journeys. They really get to know the students and what their goals are and what their journey is and um, really take it very personal. Something else that I had mentioned to you, and that is we have online training. Okay. Um, one of the things that we did was we took a break from live classes for several months and we put our classes online. Yeah. So if, for example, somebody really wants to come to the school but they can't get away um, you know, for several months but they really want to get started right away, they can get started with the online training, which is identical, except that you, know, you aren't here at the school. Yeah. But the, the material is identical. Um, they can get started right away. And then when they're ready to come to the school, all the money that they applied toward their online classes, they can use toward the live training. So they can get started immediately, Brilliant. and then they can continue on and actually repeat the classes and live with the instructors when they Brilliant. come back, when they come here um, in person. Yeah. So there are a lot of people that are doing that, and, yeah. and some people are just taking the online classes because that's all they can do. They yeah. know they're never going to get away. They have little children or whatever, and they're comfortable taking the online classes, and the online classes have just been getting such great reviews. I mean, people are just thrilled with them. Fantastic. Um, it took us a long time to get the classes online because we really didn't feel that you could do a good, do justice to a culinary course online. Yeah. But we created it so that they have forums, they interact with instructors, they interact with each other, they um, download photos of what they've done, they have little, little quizzes, um, great um, you know, videos and lectures and a lot of support material. So they don't really miss out on much when they take the classes online. So if we all want to rush away and sign up after this interview, which I'm sure we will do, <laughs> how do we, where do we go? Where's all the information? Well, people can go to rawfoodchef.com. Dot com uh -huh. and anything that you know you can even go there just because you want to sign up for our newsletter or you want to get free recipes um, and of course you can see all of our curriculum where uh, where and when the classes are um, or you want to look at what what you could get if you signed up for online training um, so everything is there at rawfoodchef.com and if you want to speak to an enrollment um, person, you can either call us here uh, or again on online. We have chats, so you can see if there's somebody there uh, online that you can chat with. Um, our number here is 707 964 3144. No, excuse me, um, 707 964 2420. And um, somebody can talk with you, let them know what your goals are, and they can help you to, to know what courses are going to be best for you. Um, nobody's hard sell. They just are there to, you know, guide you in whatever you want. Yeah. And um, that's it, rawfoodchef.com. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sherry. It's been such a joy to speak with you. Well, thank you, Kate, and thank you for inviting me, and thanks, thanks to all your listeners, and I hope that everybody has a delicious day. Thank you. I hope we get to meet one day before too long. I'm sure we will. <laughs> oh. Yeah, thank you so Take much. Take care. Bye-bye.